welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. We began Matthew chapter 7 last week. Nathan took us through verses 1 through 6. And this is all a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's also part of a series we're calling Kingdom Living, uh, where we're looking at where Jesus calls us to live in the kingdom now, the way things will be ultimately, when everything's said and done, where everything's good. He calls us to live by faith now and to do that now. And uh, he's been speaking of this, uh, this kingdom living. And chapter 7 is really kind of where he starts to wrap up. We've had chapter five, chapter six, and he starts to wrap up and review in some ways and make shorter statements that summarize, hey, if you don't get it yet, here's a real clear way that I'm calling you to do this. And so in chapters seven, verse one through six, with what Nathan shared, he's really saying, look, in your relationship with other people, don't judge, don't condemn, don't manipulate, don't put yourself and you know, your needs before them and, and just forget about them. And so we all need to hear that, don't we? You know, because sometimes we, we, we think to ourselves, you know, uh, we, think, we think to ourselves too much, right? We, we think of ourselves too much instead of thinking of others. And so if Jesus last week was saying, don't do these things in relationship, this week he's saying, do these things in relationship. In relationship with others, in relationship with God, do these things. That's really what he's saying. And he's really kind of positioning us for healthy relationships because if you think about it, I mean, think about the number of things that have to go right just for two people or three or four. I mean, you know, just, just to be in right relationship out of all the things that can go wrong. And, um, Kim mentioned, you know, uh, by the way, we love all the high schools and, and, you know, in Kansas city area, it just so happens. There's a bunch of Piper kids that, you know, go here and my sons go there, but, and I don't prop my and promote my family very much, but when I do, I do it in a sermon illustration. So, um, uh, but so my, my son Zane, our middle son, he's the kicker for Piper. And they went into number one in the all playoff Chanute, uh, you know, two and a half hours away. And, um, you know, they, they were just undefeated and, you know, all this stuff. And so it was just a tight game. And so Zane's the kicker. And and if you think about the kicker, most people just think, well, he's just got to kick it. Just kick it. Just kick it. Just kick it through the uprights. No big deal. Just kick it. But he had, he had actually seven opportunities where if those seven opportunities had not gone right exactly, like all the right things to go right, then they wouldn't have won. But they won in double overtime. And so he had six PATs, right? And you say, big deal, just kick it, kick it through. And no. So here's the pieces that have to go into this, is that uh, the ball has to be snapped, okay? The ball has to be caught, by the holder. The holder has to hold it. There's three things. Okay. It's just not kick. Then the kicker has to kick it. Okay. Right. But then also the guys have to block. So, I mean, just think about all those little things in the coordination and it happens like that for that to happen. And then also uh, they did an onside kick and, you know, the ball has to bounce the right way and go 10 yards and all these things. And, um, and it was beautiful. And, And the players, then your players have to get it. There's been many onside kicks that are beautiful, but your players just watch it, you know, and, and this time though, the guys re- received it and took care of it. But, but that's, that's how relationships are. 
You know, it, it's like there's these things that we get right. And if we get those right, then it's beautiful and it feels good and it's wonderful. And, and I think we need more of that in our lives. We need that with God and we need that with others. And so that's what Jesus actually, I believe, is speaking to. Many times these words that we're about to read are just put into the realm of religion and then you have real life. But actually, Jesus is always speaking about just real life with other people. It's, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't categorize it like, like we do many times. And so in verse 7 of chapter 7 of Matthew, he starts with this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So starting with verses seven and eight, what Jesus is talking about when he says, ask, seek, and knock. Remember, he just got done talking about your relationships with other people. He's not just talking about prayer, talking to God. He's also talking about your relationship with others how to speak to others, how to be in relationship with others. And uh, Dallas Willard, uh, he, he says, when he talks about prayer, he says, you know, it's, it's talking about what we're doing together. Isn't that good? Prayer is talking about what we're doing with God. Well, apply that to other people too. Like when you look at ask, seek, and knock, you're talking about with people what you're doing together. It's not just transactional. So this passage is, is, is pretty well known. You've probably heard it, ask, seek, and knock. You may have heard that it's like a template for prayer. Like this is the order you're supposed to you know, pray about something or petition God as you ask, you know, which is asking. And then, and then if, if, if it's still going, you, you seek, okay? And then, and then if it's still, you, you knock, you know, right? And so it's this progression. And even the Greek, uh, you know, is, um, it's present imperatives. And so it's like, you're supposed to continue this action, like each word, the ask, seek, and knock. And so, but what it does, though, is, is it kind of like the applications and teachings of this, if you're not careful, it kind of becomes something other than what Jesus intended. So we need to be thoughtful as we approach this when it comes to relationship with others or relationship with God, um, because he's, he's speaking to relationships. He's just not talking about like how to get what you want, because does it seem more like Jesus that he would say, hey, um, if you do this right... If you ask right, then, and you keep asking, then you'll get what you want. Does that seem like Jesus to you? And yet that's a lot of times how we look at this passage. It's just, you know, uh, here's how you get what you want from others and from God. It, that just doesn't seem like Jesus to me. Or does it seem more like Jesus that he could be saying, uh, here is how you build a healthy relationship with others and God. Uh, and in other words, it's not about asking the right way and keep on asking, but it's about asking for what is right 
and then building a relationship. Do, do you see the difference? The difference is, is that, you know, one person may just ask, seek and knock from somebody that they want something from them. And they're basically like, you know, and that was the push last week with Nathan, like, hey, don't judge people. Don't condemn people, right? Don't manipulate people. And that's the tie into this is Jesus saying like, hey, just ask. Keep in relationship. Be honest with people. You don't need to manipulate. You don't need to do these things. But the, the kicker is this. Are you truly in relationship? That's the real thing. Like you ever have an argument with somebody and, and you're just going after it and they say, you just want to win the argument. And you think to yourself, that's right. <laughs> I think you're right. That's the, that's the worst thing. Cause you know, you realize you're like, oh, I'm not even focused on the person here. I'm just, I'm focused on winning. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying like, Hey, you can just try to do all this, but if you want relationship with somebody, then it's this process that you walk through. And the same thing with God. Like, you know, if, if it's just about getting God to do stuff for us, you know, then you'd approach it this way. But that's not what Jesus is teaching. He's talking about like being in relationship with God. He's talking about this, keep going, keep building relationship, keep seeking after him. Uh, pastor and author A.W. Tozer, uh, his thoughts on genuine prayer were that it's about a passion for God and an obsession with entering into his presence. God, that knowing that God delights in our presence and delights in sharing his presence with us. And he says, we're summoned to enter. And, and so uh, think about that, that when we pray, you know, we have all these needs, we have all these things going on, but really what we really want to long for and what God really wants is that he wants to be with us and our target is to be with him. That's the main thing is to be that. And that's what these verses are talking about. Um, but then Jesus goes in and, and he, he, he kind of gives an illustration of to kind of show deeper. And um, he's talking about people at the end, but he's talking about himself right here too. So in verse nine, he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread and we'll give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything do to others, what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so he gives an illustration and, and don't get hung up on the evil. I'm, I don't know that I'm evil. I mean, I'm kind of bad sometimes, but evil. Jesus is, is just calling out our weakness. That even though our hearts, you know, like our hearts are off many times. And, but when it comes to as a, mo a mother or father, that if our child asks us for something that's good, of course, we're going to give it to them. And so God, I mean, Jesus, like he anchors like asking or petitioning God in God's goodness, not in our uh, performance, not in our technique, not in the occurrence of it, but he anchors it right in the fact that God is good. And what he promises is, is he's... Um, uh, well, sorry, Jesus' brother James said this, which is expanding upon this. 
he wrote in James 1, 16 through 17, he said, don't be deceived, my brothers, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So God's goodness. Um, he's also communicating the certainty of being heard and answered. And so how do you tune that, right? You know, like when we go to God and we ask for good things, he hears us and he answers us. Now that doesn't guarantee the answer that we want, but he hears us and answers us. And then what we focus on is his goodness. We focus on that he is good. And, uh, but notice that he says, he speaks of, you know, your father in heaven gives good gifts. Jesus is focused on proximity. And this is something, if you were to break one thing that you've been taught over the years, just in general, is the idea that God is in heaven there. The language of the New Testament and the language of Jesus doesn't support that. When Jesus says your father in heaven, he's saying that he's in heaven here. Because in their mindset, there was like heavens. Like, yes, there's the far off heavens. But when Jesus says your father in heaven, he's saying your father who's in this heaven, this atmosphere right here. I mean, think about it. I mean, is that encouraging to you? Like, hey, your father who's really, 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 really far away. I mean, you can't even imagine what it's even like. I mean, who knows? I mean, how far away is it? That guy's doing good stuff for you. I mean, think about that, how that tweaks our relationship and our view of what God is like. And yet for Jesus, it was our father is here. He's right now and he's good and he hears us. Now, um, Luke uh, wrote about this message of Jesus too. And, and, and he actually, instead of saying he gives good gifts, he says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so between Matthew and Luke, you see the idea that God is a generous God and that he just wants to give to us. And uh, it's interesting, like this week, there's lots of good things that happen this week, but I, as I talk to different people in our church and community, there's a lot of hard things that happen this week. I mean, we've got people in our church, you know, sick all of a sudden out of nowhere and things going on and ongoing uh, crisis and sickness and all sorts of things. And, and, you know, all of that happens within like a realm or, or, or like a, an age, right? In a spirit. And, and the, the realm and the age and the spirit of this world is, is one of anxiety and is one of fear and is one of overwhelm. And uh, when things happen to us, you know, uh, that comes at us. Uh, but then there's the Holy Spirit. And, and you say, well, why, why does... Why did God make it that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's that he would overwhelm the overwhelming spirit. And so as we reject that spirit of the, you know, the, the franticness and the overwhelm and the anxiety of this age and this world, and we make space and we invite God in, that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is that he comes and lives in us. And he says to ask for it. But Luke says, you know, hey, God's going to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for him. 
more and more. And you say, well, I did that. Uh, you know, John Wimber, who started the vineyard, he's a funny guy, but he used to say, yeah, I asked to be filled with the spirit, but the problem is I leak, you know? And so, so we all leak, right? And so we need more of the Holy Spirit. I try, I, some days I forget, but I need to do it more. It's just, I, most days, Lord, fill me with your spirit, just all throughout the day. Lead me, Lord. Show me the way. Fill me. And so John Stott, who's a pastor and author, English guy, he asked this question as far as this, though. Um, because you may be thinking, like, well, is prayer really necessary? Like, we're praying about these things, we're asking these things. Is prayer really necessary? I mean, most people don't pray, and yet they get everything they need. You know, I mean, think about these things that, uh, you know, there's harvests. You know, farmers plant crops, and they don't pray about it, they just harvest it. Uh, people get babies or food or life or all sorts of things and they don't pray about it and it just happens. So why pray? Like, what, why is that necessary? Well, Stott points this out. We need to distinguish between the gifts of God as creator and his gifts as father. So creation gifts versus redemption gifts. You see, yeah, we do receive so much from God without even praying because that's the environment he's put us in. Is that we're in the environment where the sun shines upon the just and the unjust. Rain is given to the just and the unjust. And so we shouldn't just say, well, I don't need anything because there's more, isn't there? You see, there's the stuff that just is coming automatically to us. You could also call that common grace. But then there's the stuff that we really need for the really long journey, for the here and the to come. And that stuff we ask for. And that's the stuff that comes from a father. See, we need to distinguish between the creation things that are just there and just some God that created things in a daddy, an Abba that loves us and gives us good things. You see, sometimes we get satisfied just to pay upon the other stuff. But see, God's redemption gifts are different. You know, so salvation comes to those that, what? That ask. That confess Christ as, as their savior. Salvation is not just given to people automatically. That there's actually not just a, uh, you know, it's that person's desire meeting the desire of God. Because the desire of God is the, that all people would know him and be redeemed and be forgiven, be in relationship. But he doesn't force that upon anybody. He gives it to those that ask. Um, you know, and then you think of forgiveness. God doesn't give forgiveness without someone asking. Why? Because he wants them to partake in it and grow and be healed and be whole. Think of uh, deliverance from evil or peace or an increase of faith and hope and love. These are all gifts that we have to ask for. And so these come through the redemption God. And, and so isn't it different having God as your father and asking of him than just walking through life and just the things that are available to everybody that are there? And you know, to, to help us with this, I, 
I went to a, a 50th wedding anniversary recently, and it was just so good and so sweet, and, and just this couple is just amazing. And so uh, they had family and friends there, and they went around and had each person or each, each party share how they know these people and, and a story from knowing them, like their, their favorite memory. And so each person went around, and some had known them since they were all teenagers, and, uh, you know, and then some had known them for just a while. And, uh, like Michelle and I had just known them for a few years, uh, but they're, they're special friends. And, um, but then near the end, this about six year old boy just took the show, their grandson. And, and it just, it just shook me. And I just, I'm just like, wow. And he said, I'm so-and-so I'm their grandson. And my favorite memory of them is them loving me. I'm just like, wow. And it's just like he dropped the mic and just, he was just done. <laughs> Everybody's like, okay. I mean, but doesn't that just speak of that, like the difference? I mean, one may say, you know, well, hey, look what God has done for me. Look what God has given me. Or look at, I mean, just all these things. But just like this kind of just transactional thing. But then there's the heart of, you know, my favorite thing with God, my favorite memory, my favorite knowing is just that experiencing him loving me. I mean, and isn't that the call? You know, well, life is never promised to go right and it, things go bad and things go wrong and things happen. And, and yet can't we anchor ourselves in the fact that God loves us and that that's his primary purpose towards us is for us to experience his love. And so how does one live in love that has experienced God's love? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 12, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, Dallas Willard uh, too, I mentioned, he, he says, there's not many one-way streets in the kingdom of God. And there's, there's not many things that like, okay, you get forgiven, but you don't have to forgive anybody else right? Okay. You get served. God's going to serve you through Jesus, but you don't have to serve anybody else, right? There's not many one-way streets. So in other words, everything that God pours into us is supposed to keep flowing out. And so how does the person live that's been loved is verse 12. It's called the golden rule. He says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying like, look, everything that you think you know about what God has said, let me just tell you, this is what it is. And when we live that way, it's an outflow for the love that we receive from God. And then also too, it keeps us positioned in that place of receiving more from God as well. So then lastly, in these last verses, there's a lot here. Verses 13 and 14, there's a lot here. And so we're going to unpack it more next week as part of that, because it kind of grabs into this part of the passage and it also grabs into the part for next week too. But verse 13, it says, talks about the narrow way. It says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So Jesus calls people to be his students. That's what he's doing here. Jesus teaches. He teaches for people to be his students. 
He doesn't do it for sound bites or, or you know, tweets or little moments of like, wow, that's really deep what you said. His whole call is, is come deeper, come and be with me, come and live life with me. That, that's his whole purpose, is that you would be his student, that you would be his disciple. And for us, most of our teachers, uh, you know, it's like, it's in a setting like this, right? And there's the person up here and they do this, and, but you're out there and you go, thanks, nice. But Jesus is talking, when he talks about being a disciple or a student, he's talking about a rabbi and a student. And a rabbi would come to a student and, and say, follow me. And that means that they were always with them. It means that they would adopt their views on everything. It means that they would actually uh, learn the scripture the way they would. They would learn how to eat the way, walk, everything. Like there's terms of like, you know, you'd be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Like you're just that close that you're learning from them. That's what Jesus is calling people to. So to enter through the narrow gate is to make Jesus your teacher and you his disciple. And, you know, we know that Jesus is the gate. He talks about that in John chapter 10. He talks about that he is the gate and to enter through him. So the gate and road to destruction is easy to enter. So there's lots of ways to destroy your life. That's what he's saying. I mean, there's tons of ways that you can just like, just you want to destroy it. You want to add destruction to yourself or apply this to relationships with others. There's lots of ways to do that. But Jesus makes it very simple. And he says the gate and the road to life is narrow And it's hard to enter. Not because God's made it hard, but hard because there's one way. And it takes through relationship. It's not transactional, it's transformational. It's not just one time, it's actually walking that out. And this is what Jesus is speaking of. And um, it's, it's really a place of choice. And uh, this week, uh, there's a car out here in the parking lot, uh, you know, it, Nebraska plates, and it's been here, and, um, you know, we're thinking it's stolen, and so we called, and I, I'm like, well, what do we do? Like, I've never had a car in the parking lot that, you know, I didn't know whose it was, and, you know, here in Kansas City, and so I said, who do I call? And I, so I called the police department, and they came out, and they said, well, we can't tow it yet because blah, 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 but the sheriffs maybe do it. So I called them and, and then they told me what they can do and you can't. So I, I learned all this stuff. I had to make decisions that I didn't have to make before. And I don't know. I mean, I just don't want to assume that you know that a decision has to be made about Jesus. I, I, I don't want to assume that. That you know that it's just not um, like there's a neutral place. A decision must be made with Jesus. Is he your savior, your Lord, your master, your rabbi, your teacher? Or is he not? That choice must be made by all people. And so I don't want to assume that you don't know that. So know that, that he calls us to a choice. Now, I will say sometimes people just don't know. Like I, after the game the other night, two and a half hours away, and I just love the kingdom of God. God is moving all throughout the earth everywhere. And so I go to the bathroom and, and you, know, the, uh, you know, everybody else was gone and I'm walking, I'm, I'm walking across the field. You know why? Because 
it was our house that night, you know, so, so, um, and I'm, so I'm walking across the field and, you know, and, and there was this young boy, about a middle school boy and, and everybody else is off the field and he's, he's throwing this ball and he's like, man, I can't wait till I can play on this field. I said, I said, and I'm walking by and I said, I said, really? I said, do you go to school here in, in this place? And, and, uh, and he says, yeah. And then he goes, well, kind of. And I said, I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I kind of got kicked out. Uh, you know, there's this thing and there's somebody did something to my sister. And so I did something to them and, you know, and then they, they kind of kicked me out and, like, oh man. I said, well, I mean, are they going to let you back in at a certain point? What's happening? And I said, and then he goes, well, there was this other thing. <laughs> and there was like an open window and, you know, and then, you know, there was a bunch of us there did this thing. And he kind of, and then he goes, and then there was this other, and he just started like, wide is the way that you can destroy your life. <laughs> and he was just like talking about this. And I said, I said, look, stop. And I said, are you, are you ready for your life to be redeemed? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, I said like, are, is this going well? He's like, no. And I said, well, what do you think of Jesus? What do you know about Jesus? And he's, he says, I pray every night. But that's what I'm saying. He, he didn't know that there was a decision to be made here. He had this religious activity, but his life was on the road to destruction because there was just chaos after chaos after chaos. And so I said, hey, so are you ready to make a U-turn? You ready to go a different way? Yeah. Jesus can redeem this. And so, so not only did we beat that team, but we brought one of their people to Jesus. You know, so, so, you know, and so, um, and I joke, I'm not mean people. It's just, you know, it's, it, but about the beat them. We did though. Um, but, um, but, but this, this kid, and so we prayed, we prayed and I, I, I prayed a prayer with him for him to give his life to Jesus. And then also to pray that just that chaos and that stuff off of his life. And I told him, I said, I can't wait to see what your life ends up being like. I just can't wait to see it. And I believe it. I believe it that, that, that when God steps into a life, when you choose the narrow way, when you choose Jesus, everything changes. But we got to keep coming back to that. And so today you may, you may look at your life. Maybe it's relational. Maybe you're like, you know, I, I feel like I've, I'm tight with God, but, but I just feel like my, my relationships are in total chaos. Bring it back to this. Bring it back to this. Bring it back to relationship, not, not getting people to do what you want, but being in relationship with people. If God seems distant from you today, realize that he's right here and all that he longs for, his full desire is for you to be with him, is for your presence to be with him. If you're going through a hard time, invite him in. If someone you know is going through a hard time, invite him in. And then lastly, you know, these stories I tell you, because I'll tell you guys stories like this, we're at different places, that's not something that is unique to me. The kingdom of God is invading all over the place. But are we looking for it? God is wanting to draw all people to him. Are we looking for it? Because this is true. It's wide the way people are doing things.
bring people to the narrow gate. May we be people like that, that, that have real relationships with people and real relationships with God and are looking for the kingdom to break in. Let's pray together. Lord, we just, we bring you our lives and our hearts just recognizing that that you are good. And Lord, I I just recognize that as we talk about asking here this morning, uh, we we recognize that you, that there's some things that people have been asking, seeking and knocking here and um, they're tired. And so God, I pray you'd bring miracles into people's lives or the, the good things that people are asking for the changes that they're asking for that you would bring those into them God that you would hear them we love you Lord we need you Lord we want you Lord and we pray for the sons and daughters of Kansas City God we pray for those like this middle school boy that are all around us God those that are young and those that are older that are asking that same thing. They're looking at their life and they're longing for things, but they're on the wide road. And all there is is chaos. Would you send us to them, Lord? Would you send us to them, Lord, and use us? We worship you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.